Oh, thank you for tuning in to the 99th episode of Barbershop Sports Talk, almost that big 100 on a Tuesday evening in uh, John Carroll University, University Heights, Ohio, Murphy, dorm, uh, won't tell you the room number, <laughs> won't tell you that, but uh, in Cleveland. Um, thank you for tuning in as always, whether it be Spotify, Stitcher, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Google Music. I want to thank you for tuning in. Listen to the podcast. Host, Daryl D. Lane, as always. Now, going to have a great show for you today, like always. Going to have Silas Garrison on in about 10, 12 minutes. A former Allegheny football player. Going to talk a little bit of why it's former. It's going to be a little bit of an interesting story, and I think everybody will find that interesting. And I'll tell my own story that I have that's kind of similar. I was not involved in this story, but I think that will be interesting as well. Also, a lot of football we're going to talk about with Silas and a little bit of basketball, but a lot of football. What do you think of the Browns getting blown out? Also, A.B. and Le'Veon Bell no longer being with the Steelers, and how that's impacted them. I think Silas called Ben Roethlisberger fat. So we're going to get into a lot of stuff. Silas is funny and entertaining as usual. But here's what we need to start. Monday Night Football. What a game. 28-30. The New Orleans Saints beat the Houston Texans. And, and what a game. What a game. You know, you almost have the missed field goal at the end. Then Drew Brees with 37 seconds left. Gets his team in field goal range, and then they make the field goal, right? Really entertaining, really a fun game to watch. But something that really, you know, I was taken aback by and something that I was really paying attention to was, damn, Deshaun Watson is such a disadvantage. This is a guy I've loved since he was in college at Clemson. I remember when I saw him in the national championship game. I will never forget this. I was a freshman in college. I'm, it's cold. The dorm's cold. I'm there during winter break. Don't ask, but I was the, in my room during winter break. And I'm watching, and I'm watching him go toe to toe with Nick Saban in the Alabama defense that lots of people compare to an NFL defense. He keeps getting hit again and again and again, and he keeps coming up. And I'm like, you want to know what? I know one quarterback that would do that in the NFL, Tom Brady. So I've been in love with Deshaun Watson ever since. He's a big game player. He's a big game playmaker. He can run as well as throw. But I think his talent is being squandered in Houston. You know that guy. You know that girl that. Prodigy, super smart, but they ended up don't going to college. College, or you see them ten years from now, and they're not doing too much. And you're like, wow, how did that happen? You were so smart. You were so good at sports. You were so talented. And it's like, ah, you know. My friends said, let's do this. Let's do this. My parents are like, ah, do we really want you to go to college? Do we really want you to do this? And then it just didn't end up working for them. I remember I was talking to one girl one time, and she was talking about she was in a gifted and talented program, uh, all the way from eighth grade to high school, and uh, she was working as a fast food worker, and we were talking, I was like, that's interesting, because usually people that smart, they don't end up doing, you know, working like at a McDonald's at a Burger King, and I was like, why? She's like, ah, parents didn't think college was all that important, I was like, hmm. A lot of indications of how successful you will be, not only is it on you, because it is, 
but it's also on the people around you. Friends, family, coaches, teachers, etc. The people that you surround around your force field. And a lot of times, like in sports, like in life, you can't help that, right? You can't help who you're born to. You can't help who your mother or father are. But like in the NFL, Deshaun Watson can't help that he was drafted by the Houston Texans. A team that was a expansion franchise about 20 years ago that has had no real playoff success. That's a team that's never been to the Super Bowl. A team that got David Carr, the number one overall pick, about 10 to 15 years ago out the league and made him a bust because they couldn't get him an offensive line and he got sacked like 50 goddamn times. You can't help that. The difference when we split players at the end of the day, it's not always talent. Right? It's your organization. Why does Kobe Bryant have more rings than LeBron James, even though LeBron James is a better basketball player? Well, LeBron James, folks, he's a prodigy. But guess where he went? He went to Cleveland. Pieces, 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 pieces. Didn't have a good coach. You know what happened with Kobe? When he went to Los Angeles, you know what the Lakers said? Hey, let's get Shaquille O'Neal, <laughs> right? Let's get you Phil Jackson, the greatest coach ever. That's why Kobe has five rings, LeBron has three. It's why LeBron only won one championship in Cleveland, his 12th, 13-year career in Cleveland. He goes to Miami, he's there for four years. LeBron goes two for four and wins two rings because of the structure in Miami, the culture in Miami, the people running the franchise in Miami, the players that he was with. He never had a player as good as Dwayne Wade in Cleveland. He never had role players like Ray Allen, like Shane Battier in Cleveland, especially the first go around. Deshaun Watson, 20 of 30, 268 yards and three touchdowns. Makes a great game winning drive to get, get the lead. But you know what happens? Texans defense lets Drew Brees go with 37, 37 seconds left. And then they get the field goal. Then they walk off the field with the win. And we don't talk about the fact that Deshaun Watson did everything in his power to win the game. Sacked six times last night. Was hit multiple times. J.J. Watt, their supposed best defensive player on the team. One of the best defensive players in the NFL. First time in his career. NFL research on Twitter. You know what they say? J.J. Watt failed to record at least one tackle or one QB hit for the first time in 105 career games. That's not going to help your young quarterback out. Like I said, there's a reason Kobe has more rings than LeBron. There's a reason Tom Brady has more rings than Peyton Manning. There's a reason Andrew Luck retired. Because he kept getting hit. Because the old regime in Indianapolis didn't get him an offensive line. Bill O'Brien's not a great coach. I can't name any offensive weapons on the Houston Texans besides DeAndre Hopkins. And besides that, there's a lot to be desired. Now, really quickly, I want to talk about week one of the NFL. All the games are in. Like I said, Monday night's over. My record for week one, I was 9-4-1. Pretty solid. Um... Tell you when I, where I was right and where I was wrong. I was right with the Eagles beating the Redskins, even though that game was a little bit uh, closer than I would have imagined. And the Redskins were winning. I was right on the Bills winning. I was also right on the 
Dolph, um, on the Ravens being the Dolphins, even though the Dolphins got dismantled, and I didn't even know the Dolphins would be that bad. I was wrong on the Falcons and the Vikings. The Falcons lost. Chiefs, Jaguars, I was right. Titans and Browns, I was wrong on that one, and that was very disappointing because Marcus Mariota and Tennessee Titans put a 40-piece on the Browns, so that was disappointing. Just to name a couple other games, especially the Monday night games I want to get to. Uh, Broncos, Raiders, I was right. The Raiders won. Texans at Saints, I was right. I had the Texans, uh, excuse me, I was wrong. I had the Texans being the Saints, and the Saints won. Steelers-Patriots ended up being a blow for the Patriots, so I was wrong on that one, even though I had the Patriots winning. But overall, it was a good week. 9-4-1. I mean, I'll, I'll take that, right? I mean, 9-4-1. I'm above 500 right now, I hope. My predictions, which I will give my week two predictions at the end of the show, at the end of my interview with Silas Garrison, I will have that. But now, let's get to the interview I had with Silas. Kind of next, after the break, on Barbershop Sports Talk. Oh, we're back with Barbershop Sports Talk. We have my friend, my brother with us, Silas Garrison. Uh, turns out, former Allegheny football player, still student, taking 32 credits. How you doing, Silas? Hey, man. How you doing, Dale? What's up? What's up? What's up, people? Now, Silas, great weekend of NFL football. First question I have for you. You criticized, I saw you criticized on Sunday. You criticized the Steelers for letting A.B. and Le'Veon go. I thought it was the right move. You think it was wrong. Tell me why I'm wrong, Silas. Okay. Um, <clears throat> the reason why you're wrong is because of 35-3. to three. Was it 35-3 to three or 33-3? to 33-3? Three? Three to three? Yeah. Yes, it was. Yeah. That score says that you're wrong. I don't have to say that you're wrong. And for all the for all you witnesses out there, you, you Steelers witnesses, I have something new. Okay, Silas, is it possible that the Steelers are a good football team? It was Belichick and Brady that made them bad. Because let's be honest, Belichick and Brady do that to a lot of teams in Foxborough on a Sunday night game. Yeah, 
are you asking? Are you asking me that? Can you? I'm sorry. Can you repeat that? The Steelers are not the first, nor will they be the last team to get blown out on a Sunday night game in Foxborough, Massachusetts, in Gillette Stadium right. with Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. Right. So well, let's okay. remember that, so, Silas. So here's what I say with that. Okay, so here's what I say to that. Um, Antonio Brown is good for at least two touchdowns, even if he doesn't score them because of his contribution to the game. And I could say the exact same thing about Le'Veon Bell. Those two not being there, that's probably maybe a 20-point spread right there that they didn't cover. So at least with them, they give you a chance. But now you don't even have that anymore. It's not a matter of getting blown out. They looked like a team that didn't belong on an NFL field. That's just truth. They just didn't belong there. Okay, if you if you if you recognize that defense, first of all, that defense is terrible. If anything hurts me about the Steelers, it's because the defense doesn't even look comparable to the old Pittsburgh Steelers defense of old. The Steelers that my grandfather used to talk to me about, the Steelers that my grandmother used to talk to me about, my uncle used to tell me that they look like a shell of themselves. You have KJ Watt, who's probably the best defender on your team. I would make that argument. Getting bullied, bullied. And I say to myself, you know, he's the best one there, and that's not how you get him. What am I supposed to think is going to happen for the rest of the season? Dude, it's over. i got to just face facts with it right now. Maybe you all have a good draft, but at the end of the day, it's not just the Steelers. Okay, you know what? Here's what I'll say. Here's, what, here, here's the benediction of this. If I'm wrong, then let's just continue to watch the season. I'll go on record right now, though. They're going to win anything more than seven games. Oh, Silas, come on. I have the Steelers. Who's winning the AFC North, Silas? Say that again? Who's winning the AFC North? I'm going to go Ravens. I'm going to go Ravens. I want, I want it to be the Browns, but I'll go Ravens. Now, Silas, what did you make of that? Uh, since you're going to criticize the Steelers for wetting the bad, what about the Browns? God, Silas. So, so, no, no, it's, it's serious, really. Um, here's the thing. Everything that the Browns did, despite, despite playing terrible, they were still in the game until the third quarter when everything broke loose. They were on record pace to break NFL penalty records on themselves. And despite all of that, they were still in the game. Until, obviously, they folded their tents. That tells me that it's not a talent problem. The Steelers are a talent problem. They have a very good coach. They have very good coaches. They have an amazing fan base, but they lack talent in positions that they need to get them over the hump. Okay. The Browns no longer have that problem. Silas. If they don't do well this year, it's an organizational issue. Silas, show some respect to Juju Smith-Schuster and James Conner. And Ben Roethlisberger is a two-time Super Bowl quarterback. Who's James Conner? Who's James Conner? Who's James Conner? <laughs> starting running back for the Pittsburgh Steelers. The starting running back for the Steelers. <laughs> you dare call him a running back? Show some respect, Silas. You dare call him a running back. Okay, would you call Juju a wide he receiver? Have, he doesn't have any business in the league as I do. <laughs> Silas. That man's garbage. 
and change the offensive line. It's not even his fault, but here's the difference. That offensive line is bench trash. But the difference is Le'Veon Bell, it's kind of like, kind of like Saquon Barkley. He made a lot of something out of nothing. Okay, James Conner doesn't have that capability. I'm sick of this. Juju Smith-Schuster is not Antonio Brown. I'm sorry, he's not. And he's not even close. So I'm talking about on-the-field production. This is what I try to tell people all the time. They always talk about like these attitudes that these players bring. You know, it's always the superstars that seem to have the biggest attitudes. You want to know why you got to put up with it? Because they win you football games. So that's why I said they're going to lose football games. Sure, they might have peaceful meetings now. Sure, they might sit in and fill uh, meetings and actually get stuff done. Without Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown, I'm sorry, I don't know how else to say this. They're going seven to nine. Now, Silas. We see a team like the Patriots that consistently win, because I always talk about this, it's the system, right? We see that the Patriots can win with a guy like Julian Edelman, Russ Welker, guys like that in the slot that might not have the talent of an Antonio Brown, a Julio Jones, an Odell Beckham. But the Steelers still win. I mean, the excuse me, the Patriots. Why can't the Steelers do that? Why can't they have that system and that organizational stability when they can win without the super talented guys? That's an amazing question. So... And I and I I actually had to answer this like three times, actually since uh, since Sunday night, and I'll stay consistent. There's this guy Fox Brown. I don't even heard of him. His name's Tom Brady. And last time I checked, he's the goat. And anytime you have a goat along with a goat head coach, you're always going to be in games. Now. I don't care if Tom Brady is 50, he's going to be a better quarterback than Ben Roethlisberger ever was in his prime. Tom Brady on his worst day is better than Ben Roethlisberger on his best day. That's not saying anything bad about Ben, that's saying amazing things about Brady. And the reason why they're able to win so much, it's important that, you, that we all recognize this. Don't ever buy into this misconception that they're playing with nobody. Wes Walker might go to the Hall of Fame. Julian Edelman was an MVP of the Super Bowl. He at one point had Randy Moss. He has the best tight end of all time, running and blocking wise. Uh, running, uh, run blocking and passing wise. And, and, and pass blocking wise. So when you pay attention to all these things and that everything has been considered, at the end of the day, those two are the Patriots and the Steelers are just not comparable to each other, not only organizationally, by the way the organization of the Patriots is ran, but also the athletes that are on the, 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 the Patriots. The Steelers do not have anything comparable to that, so they don't deserve to be in the same conversation with each other. Do you think, though, okay, now I want to ask you this about Antonio Brown. What do you make of the whole Antonio Brown saga from the... Uh the comments he made of Mike Mayock to trying to fight him, to the helmet issue. Do you think that he was more trouble than he's worth for the Steelers and even the Raiders? Like more trouble than he was worth? Yes. Um, well, for the Raiders, absolutely. Uh, but he just didn't want to be with the Raiders. That's very obvious. He didn't want to be there. Um, and he's with the Patriots now, and I guarantee that he's that that champion to be with the Patriots than he ever has been to be with the um, with the Raiders. Um, I believe <clears throat> Antonio Brown is a person who needs attention. 
he needs to be told that he's good. He needs to be told that people care about him. He needs to be held. He needs to be coddled. He's a grown man, and these are the things that have to happen with him because you you got to remember, they're not just athletes. They're people first. And a lot of people have issues just like that, primarily because of childhood, right? The way in which people grow up, the way in which they were raised. And I believe that Antonio Brown is a product of that, and I won't get into it right here, but if you look back at his history in life, and you know, pretty much his life story, I, I don't think it would be hard for anybody to realize and recognize what I'm saying to be authentic. Um, but I think it goes deeper than that. I think if you, I don't think he was ever meant to be with the Raiders, that's one. I think the Steelers could have made it work. Um, but in order to make that work, Either you have to be a Super Bowl contender every single year, or you have to tell him that he's amazing. You have to tell him that he's great. You have to concede to him. Now, this is what you have to just put up with. Now, because Antonio Brown's not going to change that side of himself. Now, if you don't like that, then you gotta move on from him. So by you asking, was he more trouble than what he's worth? I don't feel like for the Steelers he was, because I would have no problem telling Antonio Brown that he's great as many times as he used to hear he's still going to make plays for me. And I don't mind building another man's self-esteem. Um, but in terms of the Raiders, you, you should have never traded for him in the first place because you knew he wanted to go to a winner. You knew you weren't going to be a winner. The Raiders are going to be the same team they've always been, whether Antonio Brown was there or Antonio Brown wasn't there. So that doesn't matter. So yes, the Raiders had to move on from him, but the Steelers, in my opinion, could have made it work. Silas, could you play with somebody like Antonio Brown? Could that relationship work? A guy that, you know, is that much of an attention seeker? Now, Silas, we have Monday Night Football, Texans versus Saints. One of my biggest takeaways from the game, game is I don't think the Texans have done the best job surrounding Deshaun Watson with help. I know he has DeAndre Hopkins. I know he has a couple other receiving options. But let's be honest, even though they have the addition of Lermy Tunsil, the offensive line is horrible. Deshaun Watson got sacked. I think the defense is slightly suspect, and I'm not the biggest fan of Bill O'Brien as a head coach. Tell me, should Deshaun, could Deshaun Watson potentially end up in an Andrew Luck-like situation when he has to retire? Um, I think Deshaun Watson's a little smarter than Andrew Luck in the way in which he runs, um, although I do think he is a better football. I don't think anybody would disagree with me with that. Um, at the same time, uh, I agree with you. Um, I do not believe that the offensive line uh, has done that well by Andrew, or has done that well by uh, Deshaun Watson. I do, however, like his receivers, though, DeAndre Hopkins and uh, Will, uh, Will Fulmer, no, uh, uh, what's his name, uh, Will, uh, 
Will Fuller. Fuller. Will Fuller. Huh? Will Fuller. 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 Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my God, I love him. Uh, he's so fast. Uh, so he does really well. I like their tight end. Um, I don't like Bill O'Brien as a head coach. You're absolutely right on that. So I think what a not Bill O'Brien coach, although that's you know that's subjective because we don't we don't play for him. Um, but we can tell the eyeball test that that offensive line is not comparable to what Deshaun Watson needs. So uh, until they get that remedied, um, I don't think Deshaun Watson is going to be in trouble having a, a short-term career. I think because he is a running quarterback, I think in general he'll only play until about 33, 35. Um, but I don't think, I, I just think they're going to initially lose games. But the worst thing that can happen to Deshaun Watson is that he continues to lose the game and then he ends up getting moved to a different team in free agency. That's what I could see happening because I know Deshaun Watson's a winner and he wants to go where they can win. And when you mentioned Deshaun Watson's a win, I remember when I saw him play against Alabama a couple of years ago. He is so tough, and he consistently makes clutch plays and clutch throws, and both running it and passing yeah. it. Do you think Deshaun Watson is the most underrated quarterback in the NFL? I don't think Deshaun Watson's underrated. I think he plays on a on a on a poor team, and therefore people don't pay attention to him. That's not a matter of him being underrated. I would call him underrated if he was. Uh, if he was making these plays that nobody was picking on, he's like the number two quarterback in free agency. So people love the guy. <laughs> you know? Well, for example, I people. I feel like people talk about Baker Mayfield more than Deshaun Watson. When I think Deshaun Watson is better than Baker Mayfield. Well, see, that's my point, though. Deshaun Watson plays with DeAndre Hopkins, who says nothing. Although Baker Mayfield, first of all, it's a couple things. Baker Mayfield plays with Odell Beckham. He plays with a very. Uh, he plays now with Kareem Hunt, and he plays with Javar, with, uh, with uh, Jarvis with Landry. Landry. Right. So, um, and because the Browns have been so bad, you can't you can't help but notice them. So naturally, he's going to get more press as the number one overall pick going there than Deshaun Watson did at what number ten when he went. Um, he just won't get the same press. Um, I don't believe Baker Mayfield is the quarterback that Deshaun Watson is. I do not believe he has the potential that Deshaun Watson does, but I believe he has the potential to have the better career because Baker Mayfield will end up playing on a better team. So I don't think it's that Deshaun Watson's. I think Deshaun Watson is hyped. I don't think he's underrated. I think he's underhyped, meaning like there should be more people hyped up about him, but he's not underrated because people recognize his talent. He's just not the hype player that that he should be because he plays on a poor team. And we see this, you know, an example of him would be Damian Lillard, right? It's, we all know Damian Lillard. You know, they just don't talk. I'm going to keep playing Portland. <laughs> you know? Now, I want to talk about Drew Brees for a minute. Uh, and, I, and I really and I just heard this a couple of hour, hours ago. People have talked about how Drew Brees, I believe he has the most game-winning drives in NFL history now in the regular season, something like that. And then I heard... This debate come out of people's mouths. And I want to know your opinion on this, Silas, because you're honest, you're blunt. That's what I love about you. That's why I have you on the show. Is Drew Brees better than Peyton Manning? When they both retire, will we look at Drew Brees and say he's a better quarterback than Peyton Manning was? Um, absolutely. I definitely believe that. I believe that, uh, that Drew Brees is going to go down as um, a top five quarterback because inability to get the matters. I don't believe that Peyton Manning will go down better.
I think Drew Brees, if he wins one more championship, because of all the records, he's going to be all time probably top three. What? Um, I oh yes, yes, you heard me. I did not stutter. Silas. Um, I'm talking. I'm, I'm say, I didn't say great. I said best, meaning the best at his position to do it. That is a different argument than greatest. I believe at his position, the best talent to ever do it. I believe he's top three. Yes. Do you think that Drew Brees has ever... Because this is what I would say. I don't think Drew Brees in his... Because you just mentioned this about Brady and Roethlisberger. You said that Roethlisberger on his best day isn't Brady, right? Mm. I don't think Brees on his best day is Peyton. Wow. Um, well, I, I don't know how to feel about that considering he's literally broken every single one of Peyton Man- Manning's records to this point. Um, and he's still playing, so he's probably going to break even more of those records. Um, or, at least, or at least widen the distance of the records that he's already broken from him. So I don't know how you could say that. And most of the time, Peyton played on a better team, so I still can't understand that. I don't. I don't. I don't really know what what you or anybody else is seeing when they draw from that. I just think it's the fact that Peyton retired in the way in which he retired. Like we remember legacy. So if you're saying legacy, I'll give it to you. Peyton Manning will have a better legacy than Drew Brees because Drew Brees is like the mailman. He's like, hi everybody, y'all shucks. And like Peyton Manning was the same way. Only he was a sniper. He was a killer. He was different when he was winning. Drew Brees was just the same person every time, and, and you could see it in Peyton's eyes. He just had that killer mentality on the field. Um, so we remember legacy, and because of legacy, I think he's going to be greater. I don't think he's actually going to be better, but in fact, I just don't see that. Peyton Manning has five MVPs, Silas. Drew Brees has right. none. Right. Peyton Manning he has... has all of, he just has all of Peyton Manning's records, so... Peyton Manning has two Super Bowl rings. Drew Brees has right. one. And by the way, Peyton also, I believe, has four Super Bowl appearances. He has. I don't think. I don't. I don't think. It, I have this argument with everybody about Peyton. And how can? Okay, then I'll just ask you this. I would. I would. I would. I would. would I would retort back to you. How do you justify Drew Brees beating somebody? Peyton Manning specifically beating records. Offensive mind of coach, they throw it around the lot in an in a indoor, in a dome. Okay, so they're mighty good. They get to the Super Bowl, too. Wait, say that again? And by the way, think about, okay, what is he? What, I think four Super Bowl appearances, and he's lost how many times, too, so he's doing two. Yes. And I, I, okay, so how about this? Let's say Drew Brees goes, and he goes 2 and 0. How will history remember that? I know how we'll remember that. I'm saying how will history remember that? I don't know. I just think, in my opinion, I think Drew Brees, in terms of like what I like, for example, do I think Aaron Rodgers is a better quarterback than both of them? Yes, I think he's better, meaning at his craft, he was the better. Oh Lord, have mercy, Silas! You think Aaron Rodgers is better than the sheriff, Peyton? Yes, he's better than the sheriff. Yes. Like at his okay, put them both in the prime. I mean, when you look at the eyeball test, it it screams that Peyton was better than Aaron Rodgers. I don't believe that. I, I don't. What can I say? I don't believe so. From what I see, I don't see it. I think Aaron Rodgers. I've never seen anybody throw a football the way Aaron Rodgers has. The silence. I see people take charge.
charge of games, but I've never seen somebody actually throw the football. I've never seen somebody slot it in the pocket. I've never seen somebody step up in the pocket and throw just dives the way Aaron Rodgers does. I just haven't seen it. You haven't seen Patrick Mahomes? I, I have no evidence. I, I'm telling you this from the start. I have no evidence. If you bring me an evidence contest, then you win. I'm saying what my eyeballs tell me. Silas, you haven't seen Patrick Mahomes? You haven't seen Patrick Mahomes? How can, okay, that's the, okay, yes, I have seen Patrick Mahomes, but even Aaron, Aaron Rodgers' MVP season, in my opinion, was more impressive than Patrick Mahomes just because of his ability to do all. But I'll tell you this, I see a lot of Aaron, I see a lot of Aaron Rodgers and Pat Mahomes, so give me a little bit of time. And I'll probably be saying the same thing about Pat Mahomes. I just don't. I just want to. All you know what it is, Daryl. I just want to give it a couple more years before I say that. You know, he's he's just so young. So I just want to give him a couple more years before I get to open the conversation with 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 Aaron Rodgers. You know what it kind of reminds me of? It reminds me of Aaron. Remember when Aaron Rose was like the youngest person ever won the MVP, and everybody was crowding him. And I was like, yeah, but there's so many things that can play into that. Like I said that even back then, you know, when I was younger. I look, there's so many things that can play in. And then what happened, right? He ended up getting an injury, multiple injuries, that, you know, knee injuries, you know, which made him lose his bounce. And for a while, he wasn't the same player. I'm not saying the same thing. It's going to happen to Patrick Mahomes. And I'm even knocking on wood right now, um, no Raiders, that um, that won't happen. But it's just like at the end of the day, dude, it's like I just want to hold off before I crown Patrick Mahomes. That's fair, Silas. Now, Silas. I want to get back to the Browns really quickly. Odell Beckham, he was wearing a very expensive watch. People were criticizing him in the media. Odell basically said, bleep all you guys, I'm still going to wear my watch. Do you think it's fair for me to say Odell's focusing a little bit on the wrong things? Dude, no. He was, he was, so, he was so focused on winning the game. Well, I mean, football. If you recall, Baker Mayfield was literally trying to get up the ball all of the first half. So, like, he's still an amazing player. And I don't see why the watch has exceeded. I don't know why we do this with Odell Beckham. Like, he's his own person. First of all, we criticize him about the hair. That's none of our business. He went to Miami a week, a week before his playoff game. A week, even when they had the day off. They had the day off. He was back, and he was one of the first people in the office the next day. And we criticized him for that, thinking that him dropping balls had something to do with him being in Miami. Like, I don't know how you can make that correlation. That's ridiculous. And now we're talking about the problems losing, like, by like 40 points and that's because of a watch that Odell Beckham is wearing like dude like come on like just we need to I, I, I know I should say this on air we need to hop off real talk and just let that man play football because we're letting his personality off the field dictate how we feel about him on the field let me say that again our feelings towards Odell Beckham off the field annoyance we're allowing that to carry on to the field you don't like him as a person, that's fine. I love him as a person, but if you don't like him as a person, that's fine. I'm sure he doesn't care about that either. But don't act like that's affecting him on the field. That's ridiculous, because all he needs to do is make a spectacular attention, and we're not going to say any of this. So I just think it's ridiculous. I think his personality gives more people a reason to criticize him, and people jump on that opportunity, and that's not fair, because it has nothing to do with his profession that we watch every year, or every year, and every day, and every week which is football, and that's something that we should be focusing on, not his watch, because if he scored a touchdown with that watch on, he would have pointed to it like, yeah, you know what time it is, and that would have got the dog pound lit, and then we wouldn't have anything, we would have said, wow, he's transcending, 
much like the narrative just changes because of losses. And what I would say to those people is keep the same energy when they're winning too. But they won't. And that's the that's the part that agitates me. I think that's the part that agitates Beckham. It's like they only talk this type of mess when they when when he's losing. Now Silas, I also want your opinion on this. At the Browns game in the dog pound, there was a fan that spilled beer on one of the Titans players. Uh, the NFLPA is now talking to the NFL about the situation. What do you think? Give me your opinion and give me the scoop. And what would Silas Garrison do if somebody spilled beer on him at a football game? Hmm. That's bad. Is it a home game or is it an away game? Away game. Is it an away game? I'm probably going to play hands on him. I'm probably going to go up there again. I'm probably going to get suspended for about 15 games. Be back to the playoffs. <laughs> Wait, Silas, re- repeat, repeat that, Silas. Repeat that. I said, uh, I think if somebody's there on me at an away game, I would have to take my cleat off, go up there, <clears throat> put it down his throat, and then have to look at me in the eyes while I drink his beer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, Silas, there's one funny thing. Silas, you don't drink beer. So, if you ever do drink beer, I guess that means somebody did something very, very wrong. Yeah, no, I would have to do that. I would have to do that. I would have to do that. <laughs> okay, Silas. Mm-hmm. Now, now, Silas, I have two NBA questions for you. Now, my first one is this. Um, actually, before we get to that, I do want your opinion really quickly. Give me a quick summary of the Dolphins. What do you think of the Dolphins? Give me a word to describe the Miami Dolphins. 59 to 10, I believe. A word to describe the Dolphins. That's easy. Big sorry. Big S. Sorry. They should apologize. <laughs> and for and for all the for all the fans who are salty that they're cool taking, you should you're sorry too. Because why the heck would you buy tickets to the Dolphins? You know where you know where the Dolphins play? Miami. Y'all can't think of anything better to do in Miami, Miami Beach, the honeys in Miami, even the old ladies in Miami. 
you can't think of anything better to do on a Sunday night, on a Sunday afternoon. If you can't find anything better to do on a Sunday afternoon in Miami with all the honeys there, you should be ashamed of yourself. And you should look up counseling. Okay, now Silas, Dennis Rodman said that uh, players in the NBA don't have as much heart as they did back in his time. Silas, give me your gut reaction when you hear that. Um, he sounds like a better old man. Um, <clears throat> obviously, he's a great player, but he sounds like a better old man who played in an era that always says that that era is better than the area that, that precedes it. Um, my grandfather was the same way as Warren. Back in my day, you could have never took my grandfather. Back in my day, you could have never played football the way we did. They say the exact same dry stuff all the time. And it's completely irrelevant to get into it because we, nobody ever knows for sure. Do I believe that there are a lot of players today that are soft? Yes. Do I believe that there were a lot of players back then that were soft too? Yes. Do I believe that Dennis Rodman was soft? Absolutely not. Do I believe he will be soft in this in this league, in this club? Absolutely not. Am I tired of hearing Dennis Rodman make headlines because of his ignorant statements? Yes, I am. Oh, Axis says, let me ask you this, Silas. You you follow you the pop. You like, oh my God, can Dennis Rodman please get rid of that nose ring? It literally looks like he's going to go bullfighting. <laughs> oh, so I was going to ask you. Uh, apparently, in Dennis Rodman's interview, he said he didn't know uh, that the U.S. had issues with Kim Jong. That's how much he knows. How can I trust that he knows something about football or about basketball? Please. Okay, now Silas, last question for you. KD is mad at Oklahoma City fans for calling him a snake, a cupcake, a buttercup, and for booing him. And he said that's the reason why he will never go back to Oklahoma City. Is Kevin Durant right or wrong? Um. Well, first of all, I you know I think it's a couple things. I, I wish Kevin Durant would stop being asked about Oklahoma City. Uh, that's number one, and I wish he would stop being requested. Excuse me. I wish he would stop answering questions about Oklahoma City as well. Um, do I think he's wrong? I just think he's wrong for even answering the question in the first place. Like, I'm um, in Brooklyn. That's my focus now. If you have a question about Brooklyn, I would love to answer it. Um, I think that's how I handle it. Then we're so far away from, from, from what happened in Oklahoma City. And, I mean, you know he's never going back. He's right. They're never going back. Do you see how bad the Thunder are? So, like, he has no reason to go back at this point. I just think he's wrong from the perspective of even giving people the time of day to hear what he has to say about the way that it's relevant. It happened a minute ago. So we shouldn't be bringing that up, and he shouldn't have to answer those questions anymore. Now, Silas, tell us why you're no longer an Allegheny football player. <clears throat> All right, so... Basically, what had happened was um, there was an issue at Allegheny College um, where our running back uh, was arrested um, and accused falsely of getting into a bar fight. We were all at the club, and he was not. He he wasn't even 21 at the time. Uh, he wasn't. He wasn't in the club. I know that person because I drove him home um, before even going to the club. Uh, so I drove him home. Uh, after we had left an on-campus uh, party, and when I drove him home, I then went to the club. I didn't 
back and Kobe was in his room playing video games. So we all knew that Kobe was in that party. Well, at this party, the, uh, this individual ended up punching this uh, other individual in the face. Um, and a couple days later, they came and arrested Kobe with a warrant for his arrest. Uh, they took him out of class in front of everyone and uh, prosecuted him. Now, he ended up leaving and ended up getting out on bail. And uh, this had had uh, adverse effects on not only him, but his family and the football team as well. Uh, I had said from the, from the, from the get-go that Kobe was innocent and he ended up leaving the campus early. Now, my coach told me from the start, Kobe will be back here playing football next year. Regardless of what happens, Kobe will be back playing football. And I told him, if Kobe will come back this year, I'm going to protest the entire year. And he said, you have my word of man, he will be back. Well, he got off, he was found innocent, which we all knew, and that was before he even went to trial. Um, but his, he still decided not to come back for problems not only with the football team, and he directly pointed out Coach Nagy, but also other serious issues, primarily concerning like the school and not handling any grievances, not saying sorry about handling the situation, not even from me and the police. Just you got arrested and now you have to move on from it. I didn't like that and I told Coach, uh, as soon as Kobe gave me the news that he wasn't coming back, I then recalled him again and said that I was going to protest the entire year. He said that he didn't like it. I said, I, I wasn't calling, asking you. I was just letting you know man to man that this is what I was going to do. Well, as long as it was starting at defensive end, he didn't have an issue with it. But then he saw what I did in spring ball at defensive end, and we knew I had potential for a big season this year, so he decided to let it go and let it slide. With this protest that I was going to do, every time I made a tackle or a sack, I was going to lift up my shirt, and it was going to be a shirt that talked about Kobe, and another thing that on the back would have talked about Allegheny and its racial biases. Well, um... I ended up getting hurt the first day of practice. I ended up tearing my uh, my uh, my MCL uh, as well as my uh, ACL, and I was going to be out for the season. So as long as I was playing for you, it wasn't an issue. But as soon as I got hurt, he was pretty much like, "Well, my coach, Coach Daniel, was like, I'm not going to put up with you being hurt, and you're doing a protest." If you're hurt and you're not able to play, you're supposed to be seen, not hurt. You're doing the opposite. You're being hurt and seen. So this will be a distraction to the team. Now, obviously, you can't kick somebody off the team for protesting. So what he decided to do was say, for example, if you're late to practice again, you're off the team. Or if you wear the wrong shirt to practice, you're off the team, using these professed efforts to get me off the team. And finally, I met with him in private, and I said, I know what this is about. You're upset about the Kobe situation, because you know in a couple weeks, this will explode on your turf, literally. And you don't want that. Um, but then come out and say that. Don't make a professed effort that me showing up two minutes late to practice or, or, or wearing the wrong shirt to practice when I'm not even practicing is the reason as to why I got kicked off the team because that's absolutely not true. You don't tell me that a two-year starter at a program who does it in the classroom as well as off the field as well as on the field and gets kicked off from a team because of that. It goes deeper than that and everybody knows that. Um, <clears throat> and I said, if you want to kick me off the team, you don't have to make up these false narratives. If you just kick me off man to man and then he decided to 
and I walked away. And the only reason why I had to bust up is because I didn't want any uh, problems or adverse effects to happen to the football team. So I decided myself to stay quiet about it. Um, but it only uh, hit the breaking point when people started asking me around the team, why did I why did I end up quitting the team? Well, I never quit the team. He put me out. Coach Nagy put me out. And he put me out because of what I was going to do, what I knew, and primarily because of my injury and my lack of being able to be available for him on the football field. Great story, Silas. When thank you for coming on the show. Thank you. And kind of next, after the break on Barbershop Sports Talk, I'm going to tell a story that I have about somebody getting wrongly accused. Kind of next, after the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. with Barbershop Sports Talk and I'm going to give my NFL Week 2 predictions for this Thursday night, this coming Thursday night and Sunday of football and Monday night. Buccaneers at Panthers. I have the Panthers winning 21-13. I think this is going to be a very important matchup and I think this is a matchup and I'll probably talk about this more on the Friday show, whoever lost, but this is a matchup of two quarterbacks and Cam Newton and Jameis Winston. These guys both need to win these games because both these teams can start out 0-2. And a lot is on the line, especially for coach and quarterback. Bruce Arians just coming out of retirement. Cam Newton and Ron Rivera. Could both these guys be on the hot seat? Or could both these organizations, the Panthers and Buccaneers, be potentially looking at getting rid of these two guys if they lose? So I think this is a very big game. Cardinals at Ravens. I have the Ravens winning 35-3. Cowboys at Redskins. I have the Cowboys winning 30-14. Colts at Titans. I have the tight. I have the Colts. Excuse me, winning twenty-four to twenty. Seahawks at Steelers. I have the Steelers winning twenty-eight to twenty-seven. Bills at Giants. I have the Bills eking out a squeaker, seventeen to fourteen. Forty-niners at Bengals. I have the Forty-niners winning twenty-eight to twenty. Chargers at Lions. I have the Chargers winning twenty-seven to twenty-four. Vikings at Packers, and this was a really tough one for me to decide because of how bad and pedestrian the Packers offense looked last Thursday night against the Bears, and the Vikings, as you know, have a very tough defense as well. But I have Aaron Rodgers and the Packers making it out alive. 21-20, Jaguars at Texans. I have the Jaguars pulling off an upset with their backup quarterback, 21-14. Patriots at Dolphins. I have the Patriots winning 34-10. This game could be could get a lot worse, folks. But uh, Belichick might call off the dogs or be nice since Brian Flores was a former assistant he had in New England. Chiefs at Raiders. I have the Chiefs winning 44-30, and Patrick Mahomes will tear up the Raiders' defense. Saints at Rams. I have the Rams winning 30-24 with no controversy this time of the holding penalty. Bears at Broncos. I have the Bears winning 17-9. Eagles at Falcons. I have... The Eagles winning 30-28, and the Falcons going to 0-2, which is going to be a big hole, especially since I predicted the Falcons to win the NFC South. And for Monday night, Browns at Jets. Browns fans, this will not be a good, good Monday. 
Jets winning 22-20 and Sam Donald getting revenge. Because remember, Baker Mayfield's coming out party was against the Jets on Thursday Night Football last year when Tyrod Taylor had an awful first half. Baker came in and made Baker Mayfield match. I think Sam Donald and the Jets will get a little bit of revenge. So those are my Week 2 NFL predictions. Now, really quickly, uh, now I don't know if I really want to tell a story. I'm still thinking about it. But here's where we're going to go before we get to there, if we do get there. Uh, I want to talk about how Tom Brady and Drew Brees have been playing at such an extraordinary level at their age. Because I think this is really interesting, especially when we look at a guy like Peyton Manning. Because all three of those guys are contemporaries. And even a Carson Palmer. Carson Palmer was just on the FS1 show, uh, Speak for Your uh, First Things First this morning. And... Right, we have Tom Brady plays well. 24-36, three touchdowns, zero picks, 341 yards, a 90 QBR. Really great. Arguably still the best quarterback in the NFL. At 42 years old, Drew Brees, 32-43, two touchdowns, 370 yards. So we have two quarterbacks playing at a high level into their 40s. Peyton Manning, 43? Damn, Peyton Manning couldn't play at 39. He had a noodle arm at 38. Remember the Broncos that won the Super Bowl a couple years ago? It was on defense, not because of Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning just managed the game. He was a manager. He was a caretaker. So I just wondered this, and this is my question, and I want people to think about this. Did Peyton Manning just not take care of himself? Because the rules now are designed for the quarterback to play longer, but why hasn't Peyton Manning been able to play longer, right? Because I predicted Drew Brees would fall off a cliff. Max Kellerman on first take has been predicting Tom Brady is going to fall off a cliff for the last three, four years, and it hasn't happened. Why are these two guys able to play so elite, so well into their 40s and a guy like Peyton Manning wasn't because you can make an argument peak for peak prime for prime prime for prime Peyton Manning was better than both Tom Brady and Drew Brees Peyton Manning has more combined regular season MVPs than both those men yet Peyton Manning's not playing I don't know if it's because Drew Brees plays with the offensive mastermind and Sean Payton. He's able to get him the ball. And Bill Belichick has played with the greatest head coach of all time in Bill Belichick. But something is up. Something is up. And I just wonder, why wasn't Peyton Manning able to take able to play well into his 40s like these other guys are? Same contemporary, same skill level. Something I'm interested in. So I'm going to tell my story now. I'm feeling generous. I don't know if it's as good as Silas's, but I'll try to make this story as exciting as possible, right? So this one Saturday night, Saturday night on John Carroll University's campus, I was a freshman. There were two young gentlemen, I won't mention their names, who lived right next to me. And um, they went out and, you know, they were drinking. And uh, one of the young men gets a knock on his door. About 2 a.m. in the morning, comes home, he's like, what's going on? He answers the door a little bit inebriated. And what happens is the cops come in <laughs> and take him out of his room. And then he realizes he's in a jail cell. Now, how did all of this happen? Well, that night, that individual plays a sport at John Carroll. I won't mention that sport. Uh, but there was two other individuals who were walking, and they all played the same sport. And what ended up happening was they got into an argument with somebody at a house. Some words were exchanged, you know, that should never be exchanged, right, when people are drinking, when people are under, you know, under the influence. And the guy at the house got dropped and beat up. So he called the cops. He knew that he would a sport he played, but he didn't remember his name. So both these two young men, they look very similar. So they look up the roster, look at him that he's a freshman, and this dorm, come into his come into his room, take him out, he gives in handcuffs. 
I think he got it expunged from his record. At least I hope so. But uh, that's what happened, uh, you know. You, you never want to see people get arrested when they should have been getting arrested. That's not fun. That's never happened to me, and I hope it never does. Uh, before we end the show, and I didn't think I'd have enough time to talk about this, but it looks like we will because I am making great time. I'm really excited. Uh, Oakland Raiders. Like I said, and Jason Kavari did not believe me a couple episodes ago when we had our NFL uh, preview. Have the Oakland Raiders making to the playoffs? And a big reason for that... Um, is because I think John Gruden and this team, they're much more talented than last year. You see Derek Carr on Monday night against the Broncos. Goes 22 for 26 on his passes. Plays really well. Has a touchdown, no pick. Manages the game really well. You see they have weapons now. Josh Jacobs, 23 carries, 85 yards, two touchdowns. My roommate Caleb got excited when he saw Josh Jacob break a couple tackles because he reminds him of Nick Chubb. <laughs> so for Browns fans out there, you'll know what I mean by that. Tyrell Williamson, seven catches, 105 yards at the wide receiver position. Um, they're tied in at six receptions for 70 yards. The team blocked well. They kept Von Miller, one of the best front seven players, one of the best linebackers, one of the best pass rushers in the NFL from recording a sack or a tackle for loss. They have good youth, a guy like Clinton Farrell, who has one sack and one tackle for loss. Their defense, they have a guy in Vontez Perfect, who most people know for the Bengals, for hurting people. But Vontez was flying all over the field on Monday. And one of the biggest things I think will help this team, no Antonio Brown, no distraction, no Mr. Big Chest, no blonde mustache, no foolishness, no silliness. Nothing that will distract the team from their overall goal to make it to the playoffs, to win the AFC West, and to possibly compete for a Super Bowl. That's why I have the Oakland Raiders at 10-6. and six. They impress me, and... I'm really excited about the season. I think the Oakland Raiders are going to be a team you don't want to mess with. And I think we're going to see, and I think John Gruden as a quarterback coach, let's remember, John Gruden made Brad Johnson look, you know, decent. John Gruden knows how to coach quarterbacks. He did a decent job with Chris Sims when he was in Tampa Bay. John Gruden knows the quarterback position. He knows how to coach offensive football. I think he's going to get in Derek Carr's ear. And we're going to remember how good Derek Carr was a couple of years ago. A couple of years ago. Because people forget. Derek Carr was in the MVP conversation. And before he got hurt at the end of the regular season, some people said the Oakland Raiders could, could make it to the Super Bowl. Derek Carr was playing at an extremely high level. So I think that's important to remember. I'm high on the Oakland Raiders bandwagon. Their defense is solid. Their front seven is tough. They have a good offensive line. They have a running back. They have uh, receivers and tight ends that can catch the ball and can make plays. And they have a quarterback and they have a coach that I both, that I trust. I trust both of them. And I think that's going to carry them a long way to getting to the wild card game. So stay high on the stay high on the Raiders. Like I said I, you know, in, in my predictions for week two, I think they're going to lose the Kansas City Chiefs. And I think the Kansas City Chiefs are going to kind of embarrass them. But the Kansas City Chiefs are going to do that to a lot of teams because Patrick Mahomes is for real. Now I want to thank everybody for tuning in to this episode of Barbershop Sports Talk, the 99th episode. This episode will be on WJCU, 7 a.m. in the morning. Actually, it's probably close to 8 now since we're in towards the end of the show, actually. And I believe this also leads into uh, the John Carroll football pregame show, which you should all be excited to hear about. Uh, hope we get another dub, 21-14, to 14, like I said last show. 21-7, uh, to 7, excuse me. And that's all I have for uh, this episode of Barbershop Sports Talk.